0: Adele is an award-winning British songwriter and vocalist and she became a big deal in the U.S. about five years ago. I don't own an Adele album. I've never bought an Adele song but if you've walked into a mall recently or gone into a store where they play background music you have probably heard Adele's voice. She has many records and number one songs and one of them is rumor has it and you can't it's one of those songs you hear you can't get out of your head because it has just repeats itself over and over and over and over again and it has that crazy different jingle and uh uh and and, and so here are the words carolyn sang it a moment ago sam sounded better to me than Adele, but um she sang this a moment ago in that soft-spoken bridge All of these words whispered in my ear tell a story that I cannot bear to hear. Just because I said it, don't mean that I meant it. People say crazy things. Just because I said it, don't mean that I meant it. Just because you heard it, rumor has it. And then it goes into the course. At the Hammersmith Apollo in London in September of 2011, when Adele was doing a concert and she was telling the story behind a song, she was speaking to the power of words. She said there was actually a time when a rumor spread even among her closest friends and they believed that she was in a relationship with a guy that she had never met simply because of the power of gossip. And so the word, these are some of the closest people in her life believed the rumor. And so the, word, the song was written as a sarcastic response to how believable people are, impressionable they are, with people's words. Her, her song addresses one dimension of the sin of gossip. Over the last several weeks, we've looked at the power of the words that we speak and see how that Jesus warns us that every word we speak is being recorded and one day we will stand and give an account for the use of our tongues. Today I want us to look at an often overlooked and can I say minimized or misused use of the tongue. What Adele describes in her song is one dimension of that misuse, gossip. Today, I want to ask a series of questions. Actually, I'm going to ask four questions this morning. I've got about 20 minutes to do that. And I want to ask four questions this morning. Um, and I, I, want, I think if we can get biblically those answers in our lives, it's going to grow us up spiritually. Number one, why is gossip so destructive? Number two, what is the cure for gossip? Or in other words, how do I, how do I overcome gossip in my life? Number three, how should I respond when I'm approached... With gossip, when somebody gossips to me, how should I respond? And number four, how should I respond when I am gossiped about? Let's begin with the first one. Why is gossip so destructive? And God's word answers that question rather emphatically. The scripture says in Proverbs 16:28, "A troublemaker plans seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends." Let me repeat that again. Proverbs 16:28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. One of the reasons gossip is so destructive is because it destroys friendships. There's another proverb in Proverbs 20 and 19 warns against even associating with the gossip by saying this. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not not even associate with... With a gossip. There is so much power in our words that can be used wrongly and become a destructive tendency in our life that the Bible tells us don't even associate with people we know to be gossips because there is so much destructive power. It will destroy lives. It will ruin relationships. Gossip destroys friendships. Another reason gossip is so destructive is because it brings irreparable damage to a person's character. If I gossip to you, I plant a negative idea in your mind about someone. Or I might confirm a suspicion in you that you already have. And even if you argue with me and you push back against the gossip, I have created room in your heart for doubt. I have planted a seed about that person's character that will work in your mind. And if I involve three or four other people in my conversations, then I've created a majority opinion about your character in my little sphere of influence. My words, my gossip can become the accepted sentiment of your character. I can literally shape what the office thinks about you by what I say. I can literally shape what that small group thinks about you by what I say, what your friends, what the church, literally what comes out of my mouth. I can change people's perception of you because of... Truth or untruth, whatever they be, rumors, my words, literally have the power to create irreparable damage to a person's character. Proverbs 18 and 8 says, what dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. That word dainty morsels gives you the impression of a, of a nice little mini cupcake that's sitting there ready to be devoured. It's just so tempting. It's so appealing. But what seems so innocent, that little dainty morsel, once it is spoken, it is implanted and sinks deep into a person's heart. Gossip is such a big deal because our words have more power than we will ever realize. Like a pebble that is thrown into the middle of the pond, by the time that rock, after it's already hit the bottom of the pond, or by the time we've already walked away, the ripples of that pebble's entry into the water will long make long-lasting impact after we're gone. That's the same thing when a word is spoken. It's like that pebble that is tossed into somebody's life. And after the word is settled and we have gone, the conversation is over, the ripple effects of how that impacts somebody goes on and on and on. The ripples of our blunder continue to impact people's lives. The scripture says our words sink deeply into someone else's heart. What was a passing thought for us eventually becomes a real reality, a perceived reality in somebody else's persona. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be outright gossip to sow discord in relationships. You don't even have to say a word. You can raise an eyebrow or leave words unspoken that should have been spoken. I tested this out today, uh, I went into the foyer this morning with some of the older guys who work in the early service before it, and, and uh, Robert Hawkins, I had, Haley and I had bumped into him eating out, and, and uh, he was eating out with his granddaughter uh, that night, and so I teased him about being caught eating out with a younger woman, uh, and then, uh, so I came into the foyer with all of his buddies this morning, and, and, uh, and I said, guys, I saw Robert having dinner with a younger woman, and they just started ooh and ahing and, and and I said it was his granddaughter and they said well you didn't have to tell us that we just wanted the juicy stuff we didn't we you didn't have to qualify and that was the whole we were joking we were playing robert was there he's been in on this for a long time um and and and, and the reality is People do those things seriously, maliciously. They make statements that are true, but don't fill in the rest of the details in order to lead someone into an understanding or a perception. And ultimately, it is the, the, it is the motive of the heart that reveals the difference. Ezekiel 22.9 says, In you are slanderers who are bent on shedding blood. Now this verse has a lot more to say. But that is a powerful statement. In Ezekiel 22, God is passing judgment on the nation of Israel because of their sin. And He's saying, in you, among you as a nation, there are slanderers who are bent on shedding blood. I never thought about hearing a slanderer in the same statement with the weightiness of shedding blood. And yet God is saying, there are people among you who are false accusers, who have drummed up, information in order to lead people to their capital punishment. They are falsely accusing someone of crimes they didn't commit in order to get them killed. Their slander is leading to the shedding of blood. In that case, what they were saying was literally leading to the murder of innocent people. While most people would never see gossip and consider it as uh, a powerful, their tongues as powerful as a loaded forty-five caliber pistol, God makes it very clear that our words have the power to assassinate someone's character. I know it's hard for us to process it and to weight it the same, but God ranks gossip as a sin equal to that of murder. And he listed it in one of the things he hates in the Proverbs. He listed seven detestable things to him. And one of them was gossip. Proverbs 6.16 says, There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. One, Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Or the older translations, who sow discord among the brethren. In the Hebrew, to place something last in a list is to place the greatest amount of weight on whatever is last in the list. So, the last two are weighted higher than a lying tongue and murderous hands. Those last two are bearing false witness by pouring out lies or a person who stirs up conflict or sows discord in the community. So a third reason gossip is so destructive is because it has the power to to destroy an entire community. That community may be a family. That community may be an office environment. That community may be a team that you play on. That community may be a small group. That community may be the church as a whole. That community may be a municipality. But there is the power to destroy an entire community. And this is where somebody will probably chime in and say, but pastor... What I'm doing is not gossip because what I'm saying is true. I'm not a false witness. And this is the great revelation that we all need to grasp. A statement doesn't have to be a lie to be gossip. Gossip can be 100% true and still be biblical gossip. Gossip. If the words coming from our mouths are completely true, and yet they sow discord in relationships and stir up conflict in the community, they are listed as one of the seven things that is detestable to God. Here it is again. There are seven things listed. The last two, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community, and there is no differentiation between what is spoken as truth and what is spoken as a lie. It is just whatever stirs up discord. Listen to James speak on the destructive power of the tongue in James chapter 3, verse number 3 through 8. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire and a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself set on fire by hell all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison." This is where, this verse is where we've got the theme for the entire series, Untamed. Because no human being has the power to tame the tongue. Only the power of the Spirit working upon us to transform our hearts. Because if there is an issue with the tongue, the real issue is with the heart. And that is what James goes on to say. In these few verses in the beginning of chapter 3, he makes no differentiation between what is spoken as truth or what has been spoken with a lie. Even a truthful statement about someone can be destructive, but it ultimately boils down to the motive of the heart. And the heart is what James talks about in the last few verses of that chapter. Verse number 9, he says, "...with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father." And with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. As we've said for the last several weeks... What comes out of our mouths is a reflection of what is in our heart. A salt spring cannot produce fresh water. A gossiping mouth is evidence of a wicked heart. Question number two. So what's the cure for gossip? Or how do I overcome gossip in my own life? Let me suggest the first, a few things. First of all, lighten up a bit when it comes to finding other people's faults. If our hearts are less quick to run to judgment about somebody else's faults, our mouth is less likely to gossip about them if our heart is less likely to make the judgment. Proverbs 17.9 says this, Disregarding another person's faults preserves love. Telling about them separates close friends. Proverbs 17.9 in the New Living Translation, Disregarding another person's faults Preserves love. Telling about them separates close friends. Even the best of human effort is flawed. Even when we can review it and critique it, it's still flawed. Next time you watch the best picture from 1959, Ben-Hur, see if you don't see in the chariot race behind the chariots the tracks of the tires from the camera trucks that filled it. Or if you want something more recent, check out the 1989 Best Academy Awards winner, Driving Miss Daisy. The next time you pop that in the DVD player or watch it on Netflix, pause the picture when the Alabama police officer questions the driver. And if you look real close, there's a Georgia State Police Officer badge on the Alabama police officer's shirt. Somebody got the wrong shirt out of the prop closet. Or if you want something a little more recent... In the movie, A Beautiful Mind, there's a scene where the Nobel Prize speech is given and on the podium it says the Nobel Prize instead of the Nobel Prize. Even the best we have to offer is flawed. And what makes, what's amazing to me is it's easy for all of us, myself included, to overlook the faults in us but be quickly to rush to judgment in the faults of everybody else. If we're slower to judge people's faults in our hearts, we're less likely to gossip about them with our mouths. So what's the cure for gossip? Lighten up a little bit against everybody else's faults. The second thing you can do is just stop doing it. I know Nike's made a lot of money with one statement. Just do it. Maybe we need a gossip, slogan that says just stop doing it. Proverbs 26.20 says this, Fire goes out for lack of fuel. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Our words are like another log on the fire. And when the, when the words stop coming, the firewood keeps being thrown on. The fire goes out. And quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Proverbs twenty six twenty. Try to imagine the next time you have a conversation... If the person you're talking about, imagining them being present, and if it changes the way you're directing that conversation or the words you're saying about that person, there's a good chance what's coming out of your mouth just might be gossip. So what do you do when you see this thing going on in your life and you know that you've been guilty? You repent. Just like you would of any other sin, you own it. You acknowledge it. I wasn't around, or at least I was around, but I wasn't very aware of all of the Watergate scandal and all of the Nixon tapes and all of that but it came back into the forefront in 2002 in March of that year when some of the tapes that had never been released were released to the public. And when those tapes were released in 2002, there was a conversation between Billy Graham and Richard Nixon. What was thought to be a private conversation between a pastor or a preacher and a president was all of a sudden made clear for everyone in the world to hear. And on on that recording, Billy Graham made a statement that could be viewed as a very racial statement towards Jews Nixon said that Jews had a stranglehold on the American media which needed to be broken because it was controlling the country. Now I know that that Billy Graham made that statement in private to a President of the United States. But when it was released publicly, it shed a negative light on him. Billy Graham did not argue about it. He did not try to squirm his way out of it. He owned it. He repented. He said, I'm sorry. I understand. But the words that came out of my mouth in that moment are not a genuine reflection of my heart towards the Jewish people. And there have been a whole lot of things in Billy Graham's life that shows that that is the truth. He loves the Jewish people. But he owned that statement. He repented of that statement. And Billy Graham's example tells us two things. None of us are too righteous to be guilty of this sin. And when we commit this sin, what we need to do is own it and repent. For God's grace to be at work in our lives. The third question. How should I respond when I am approached by gossip? This is probably the most practical thing I could tell you about gossip. How do you approach, when somebody comes to you and say, rumor has it. Somebody comes to you and has some slick, juicy lowdown, the newest information. How do you you deal with that when you're approached by gossip? Here's the first thing I can recommend to you. Say to them, can I quote you on this? Because if it is gossip, most of the people that are partaking in gossip know they're partaking in gossip and know the words they are speaking they shouldn't be speaking. The last thing they want is their name associated with the statement when it's repeated. So the next time somebody dumps a boatload of gossip on you, ask them when they start, Hey, do you mind if I repeat you or quote you on this statement? Number two... When they begin their gossip and you know where the road is headed and you don't want to be guilty of being in that conversation, the moment they stop to take a breath, say, you know what I like most about that person is find something in the person that is being gossiped about life that you can bless. Find a character quality, something good about their life that you can bless. And while that person is using words either intentionally or unintentionally in a very destructive way, jolt their attention back. The moment they pause and expect you to be, just jump into the juice of what they're serving up. Respond to that with, you know what I like about that person is and bless something about that person. And the gossip is going to know quickly that you don't want to be involved in any of this low-life conversation. You see, that was the... Part of the the problem is not just the words that are spoken. It is the words that aren't spoken and the gossip that we allow to continue in our presence. You see, the sin of Absalom was not necessarily speaking the words, it was facilitating the dissension. It was facilitating the discord. And I I speak often of the spirit of Absalom. Absalom started a revolution to take the throne away from his father David. And the way he did it was sitting at the gate where the people would come and converse. And they would bring their dissension and their opinions. and, And instead of standing in defense of his father's kingdom or saying, you know what I like about my father? I could give you a list of things. I know him better than all of you do. But there are some things that I want to bless about him. What I love about his leadership and what I love about his kingdom is this. But instead of doing that, he sat there and allowed their negative words about David to be fuel in his heart for that innate desire to take his father's place. And the words of those people facilitated by Absalom's silence started a rebellion to lead Absalom to be king. And we all know how that ended. If you read that story, it ended bad for Absalom because God protected David's kingdom. But it was was a, a man who knew better but chose to remain silent and facilitate the gossip with their silence you don't even have to be speaking the word to commit the sin of gossip sometimes just not saying the right things C- can i quote you on this or you know what i like about that person or the last one is have you talked to that person about this directly that's the biblical way don't don't be talking to me about this matthew eighteen fifteen 15 says if you have ought against your brother you need to go to your brother so have you talked to to them directly about this. Before you have any right to talk about this anywhere with anybody else, have you spoken to them directly? And then how do you respond when being gossiped about? This is hard, but it's the part of maturity. Respond gently. 1 Corinthians 4 12 and 13 says this in the New Living Translation We work wearily, Paul says, with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. Listen to this, verse 13. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we're treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to this present moment. Paul said, at this very moment, I am being slandered, talked badly about, I'm being gossiped about, yet we appeal to those people gently when evil things are spoken. Respond gently. Number two, Live a blameless life. There was another singer that was singing a long time before Adele ever, ever was born. Uh, who, who Bonnie Raitt was her name. And Bonnie sings a song and says, let's give them something to talk about. Well, the Bible says if you want to respond to gossip, don't give them anything to talk about. Live a blameless life. Listen to what 1 Peter 3.16 says, But you must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Don't give them something to talk about. And then finally, forgive. Matthew 6.12, Jesus said, And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And that's exactly what it is when someone steals something from you with their words. When they steal your reputation. When they steal your, uh, your a relationship. Or they steal a promotion. Or when they steal something from you. They steal joy. They steal life from you with the power of their words, with their slander, with their backbiting, with their gossip. They literally steal from you. In some ways, it's like there's a debt there. And Jesus said, forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors, those people who have stolen from us, those people who have debts against us. And this is is an issue on forgiveness, whether it's words spoken against us that we've been offended by or any other area in our life. Timothy Keller suggests that Our ability to forgive depends on the amount of emotional wealth that we have. In other words, if I have a vast reservoir of self-worth or dignity or joy, someone might gossip about me or they might verbally assault me or walk out on me and I can move on with my life and forgive that person because there is more joy and life and grace where that came from. I'm emotionally secure, emotionally stable. That would mean that our lack of forgiveness, on the other hand, is less about our stubbornness and more a sign of our emotional poverty. So it brings us to the question, why am I so emotionally impoverished that I cannot forgive? What would it take for me to become a forgiving person? And ultimately, that is to bask in the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God that has been bestowed upon you. When I read that from Keller, it just really shocked me. The moments that I'm having a hard time forgiving may be less about the height of the crime committed against me and say a little bit about my emotional poverty. And so my prayer is that God would mature me spiritually. He would mature me emotionally. He would grow me up as a person and allow me to be able to live what is in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive my debts as I forgive those who have committed sins or debts or stolen against me with their words. If you live long enough, somebody's going to hurt you. Whoever came up with the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me, didn't know what they were saying. I know we try to tell our kids that, so they'll just get up and get over it, but words hurt. So we have to respond gently, live a blameless life, and learn how to forgive. And may God fill us with His grace and abundance. To do just that. I want you to stand with me, if you will, all over this place this morning. And This is what I know. Um, I didn't expect when it came time to conclude the service today that I was going to give this Billy Graham type invitation where all the gossips come forward and get right with God. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to work and if it did, there's not enough room here to handle all of us that needed to respond. I've hurt people with my words. I, I need God's help. Um, you've done the same. We've been hurt by words and we need God to help us respond gently and forgive. And so my prayer this morning is that you would just sense the The weight of this, but also the liberty that you have in the presence and the Spirit of God. If words can be that destructive for the negative, there is power in them to speak life. So I just pray this morning that God would come in and and touch our hearts. Would search us today. We said at the beginning of this sermon, the beginning of this, our last song is, I give you my life. Would you do that to him today and let him clean up your your mind, your speech, your heart? Father, today I, I pray that you will take the words that have been spoken this morning from your word and let them have convicting power in my life so that I guard my words I don't want my words to be murderous and shed blood in some ways towards someone's character. I want my words to be life. Give me wisdom. Give me the courage to divert a conversation. When I, I'm being gossiped too, and Lord, would You heal my heart? Give me thick skin and a soft heart. The skin of a rhinoceros and the heart of a teddy bear so that I can ward off the, the unkind things that are said about me. Would you grow us up spiritually, Lord? Would you, would you increase our emotional wealth so that we can be stable and secure? Change lives today. Father, if there's somebody under the sound of my voice that, that doesn't know Jesus Christ is Lord, may, may you take these stories of Samantha and the truth of your word that has been spoken and may their heart be pulled into relationship with you today may, may they quit running and they surrender today there's just a tender presence of Jesus in this room today Lord. I can't tell you why church I cannot, I cannot for the life of me tell you why but I just had this overwhelming sense that somebody in this room was ready to give their heart to Jesus. I'm not even preaching on that. It's not where I intended to go. But it's like the Holy Spirit interrupted my thoughts just right now. I promise you, I won't embarrass you. People are praying all over this room. You say, Pastor, I'm not serving God today, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm just, I'm just being obedient to the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, would you just slip your hand up let me know I'm not crazy today? Just slip it high enough. Pastor, that's me. I'm not serving God today. Uh, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I sense Jesus tugging on my heart right now to surrender. Slip it up high enough to let me see it. I just thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I can't tell you how off the radar that was. I saw three hands respond right there. So so let's do this. Let's all pray life, okay? If words can be so destructive, let's pray life today. Pray this prayer with me. Those, Those three of you that raised your hand, it is important that you speak these words from your heart. Confess with your mouth. But tell somebody when it's over that you did. Jesus said, if you confess me publicly... I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. So somebody needs to know you prayed that prayer today, okay? Let's all speak life in this prayer. Especially those three of you. Let's pray this with faith. But the rest of us, why don't we join in and pray life with our words this morning. Would you say this with me? Dear Jesus, cleanse my heart. Come into my life. Rescue me. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart. You are raised from the dead. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. And I commit to serve you. I give you what I am. And all that I hope to be. Change me, Jesus. From the inside out. Transform my heart. Transform my mind. Transform my mouth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you give God praise today? Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, will you bless them and keep them, and would you make your face shine down upon them, be gracious to them, turn your countenance their way, and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.